and welcome to the Coaches Review podcast, a podcast hosted by professional football coaches and analysts. For those of you who love to look at the game in minute detail, my name's Harry Brooks and I'm joined, as always, by Richard Webster. Hello, mate. Hi, mate. You good? I'm good. I'm a little bit hoarse. It looks like we finally sorted out the problem, your connection problem, of sounding like Vin Diesel. Yep. Um, and now I sound like Phil Mitchell with a, a sore throat. <laughs> so, <laughs> so apologies to any listeners now that um, Phil uh... Mitchell's going to be bringing you today's analysis. So uh, apologies about that. But um, we crack on nonetheless. Uh, just football, football's exhausted me, mate. Yeah, it's too much at the moment, mate. There's so much. There's so many good things. Uh, good things happening. It's, it's all taking its toll, isn't it? Just all at once, all at once. Um, <laughs> you shouldn't complain, not, mate. You got the best job in the world. Come on. It is the best job in the world. Yeah, it's just the best job in the world. When people ask me what do I do now, I literally just say football. Like, there's just too many things. <laughs> just football. Yeah. Just football. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, I just want to say a quick thank you to the listeners. Um, last week's episode of Master Mourinho. Yeah. Uh, was um, it got our highest views yet, which is brilliant. Um, yeah. I'm really happy with how the podcast is going, mate. You know, it's uh, I'm really enjoying it. And thankfully, we seem to be getting a bit of interest in it, which is great. Yeah, it's been really enjoyable so far, mate. This started as a little pet project to do during lockdown, but um, actually really getting into it now. And I think it's, uh, you know, we've got some interesting things and, and an interesting viewpoint from inside the game as well. So, yeah, last week's episode I thought was terrific. Uh, the Master Mourinho one, uh, stand by everything we said. And um, with so much football happening thick and fast, I think there's some, there's some great topics to cover. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be um, some excitement about today's episode as well. Yep. Today's episode, we are, well, it's a big one today. We're going to be discussing what Man United need to win the league potentially next season. I know that might sound pretty out there. Um, yep. I'm not. We're not saying that they are going to win the league. We're not even saying that we think they're going to win the league. Um, they still have a lot to do to catch Man City and Liverpool, but it's not completely out the realms of possibility. And... That's what we're going to discuss today, what they need to do. Um, I think the best place to start will be to talk about their current setup um, yeah. under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and perhaps some strengths and weaknesses um, and then go from there, really. So, I mean, since obviously football's returned since lockdown, they are the informed side in the league. They were, they are the top of the table since lockdown um, with 17 points, Manchester City following 15. And they've looked very, very good, haven't they? Mate, marvellous, absolutely fantastic, rejuvenated, uh, reinvigorated. I think uh, whatever they did do in lockdown obviously worked a treat. Um, they've come back like a house on fire. Actually, that's a bit unfair because their run of form um, was stretched out a little bit before that as well. I, I believe they're unbeaten in 19. I believe that's true. Um, so they're not exactly in bad form. Um, and, and they just seem to have gone from strength to strength. A few things have fallen into place. Um Obviously, the signing of Bruno Fernandes has made a massive impact on that team and that squad in general. Seems to have really given them a new, um, new perspective, a new lease of life. And then the um, the blossoming form of uh, young Mason Greenwood up front, who was you know looked at a good player since he stepped into the team, but has really exploded into life in the last in the last couple of weeks. Seen them come up the league very very strongly. And that's it, isn't it? I think that's the thing that's obviously excited most people since their return it's been their it's been their forward line and yeah. obviously the partnership of Pogba and Fernandez and obviously um the dynamic talent in their forward line ahead of it I mean looking at some of their results they they since lockdown obviously they got a one or draw with Spurs they weren't that convincing then but then they beat Sheffield United 3-0 that is not an easy thing to do they beat Norwich 2-1 away um, Brighton 3-0, Man United, uh, Bournemouth 5-2, Aston Villa 3-0. Um, just packed out of goals at the moment, aren't they? They really are, mate. And that was one of the main, the main complaints uh, of Manchester United fans over the last, let's say, few seasons, is that this wasn't the Manchester United that they were used to. I think, look, it was always going to take a while, uh, and they're still not there yet, by not by a long shot. Um, but, you know, it was never going to be easy to replace Ferguson. Um, it, it, they've gone through a few managers trying to do that. Um, and they had some successes along the way. They still managed to pick up trophies, which I think is huge. But one of the main sort of issues of the fans was that this was not the, the go-forward Manchester United that they, they were used to seeing that they, and that they like to see, um, you know, playing on the front foot. And what we've started to see now in the last sort of, let's say, 10 to 15 games is Manchester United really playing with more confidence, more swagger, and they certainly present more of a threat in the forward line uh, in every game that they play. 
I think where a lot of people's doubts maybe about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's credentials as a manager um, came into play was perhaps how United have often looked, well, they've often struggled against uh, sides that, you know, have a deep block. They sit back, they, uh, they're they compact and and don't give United any space. They've, they've often struggled to break those teams down. But since lockdown, there hasn't really been an issue. Um, and it's arguably down to, you know, the likes of Pogba and Fernandes um, being able to supply constant balls to a fantastic forward line that's so fluid at the moment. And it kind of goes back to our point about Jose Mourinho last week. You know, there's a thing nowadays where people seem to think that unless you coach regimented attacking patterns, then you can't coach attack. And sometimes it's okay to just sort of allow your players to sort of not have complete freedom. It has to be structure, but to give them license to create and we spoke about how important it is that if you are playing that style of football where you do give freedom to your attacking players, how important it is to have forward-thinking players who can interpret situations and be creative. And at the moment, May United have Pogba, Fernandez, Greenwood, Rashford and Martial um, doing that. And they are players that can certainly interpret situations and certainly think on their own. Uh, wouldn't you agree with that? Oh, 100%. And I also, also think there's something to be said about the overall environment and the overall confidence of the group. We talk about mentality being a huge factor. Look at Liverpool this season, um, you know, in their charge to the title. And then if we just look at Liverpool since they've won the title, um, you know, a couple of results that they possibly wouldn't have got previously with a, a couple of shock results, losing to Arsenal being one. Um, and mentality is is massive. And I think what's happened is, is a couple of things. Um, a couple of hard to say the dead wood, but a couple of players that, that weren't fitting in um, are no longer there at the club. So that took a while to get over. Or they've certainly been put out on loan, put it that way. Um, and then the addition of Bruno Fernandes has given a massive lift to everyone around him. It's not just having the effect of of adding one very, very good player who's undoubtedly got lots of quality. It's the knock-on effect that it has, has on the whole group. Now, I hesitate to, to liken it to the impact of Eric Cantona because I remember that impact and that was... Um, a to a ridiculous level, um, he took them to another level completely, and he actually you, you would you know you could argue that Cantona had a, an impact on the entire league. So I'm not saying that Bruno Fernandes is anywhere near that category, but it it goes to demonstrate the massive impact that can be had by one player uh, joining the team. We've seen it in other sides. We've seen it with the addition of Van Dijk at Liverpool. I think that can't be, can't be. And, you know, and if, if we even look at Manchester City with Vincent company, without Vincent company or with Laporte, without Laporte. So the impact of one player cannot be overstated. I think it's made a huge, uh, difference to their level of confidence, um, and their belief in themselves. And now you're seeing all of those other players flourish where before they might be hesitant. They look like they're going to go into every game now confident of scoring two or three goals every single game. What I love about what I'm looking at Man United at the moment is it's really high risk, high reward. Yeah. You know, you look at someone like Bruno Fernandes, he's not really a percentages player that will like, recycle the ball mm. um, and in biggest moment, he will often just look for the earliest opportunity to strike a goal, the earliest opportunity to play a killer pass. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's so forward thinking and so dynamic and, of course, you know, there, there are weaknesses in that. That means that a lot of moves can break down. It means that perhaps if there isn't attacking structure or that ability to maybe retain the ball in the final third, then perhaps you can struggle to to break teams down at times. But there's there's weaknesses and strengths to every system. And I guess what we're trying, what we're going to try and get to the bottom of today is whether we think there's enough there um, to win a Premier League. Um, yeah. I think we both agree at the moment. Well, just just just, just quickly on that point you've just made, I'd like to, I'd like to mention that. Um... I, th I think you're right that we, it's important to get the balance between the two, between this risk and reward. Um, and I think what you're saying about uh, Bruno Fernandes getting on the ball and trying shots and, and trying to early passes, early moves forward, that kind of thing. Um, and this is this is one of the reasons that I hesitate to uh, put too much stock or put an over amount of stock in stats and statistics. I think this is why we have to have a balance between, you talk about this all of the time, the eye test and the statistics. So a player like Bruno Fernandes, for example, will try the risky pass, will try the risky shot, will do those things. Um, and so then his conversion rate on those attempts or whatever might seem low if you were to just look at the numbers. Um, but the, the untold effect of him doing that is that it keeps your team on the front foot. It adds a threat every time you go forward. 
So we see we see teams who don't do that, who can be a bit staid, who can be a bit sort of stodgy in attack, and it's because they don't have that um, aggression or or get shots away. Put simply, yeah. Um, so I think that's a really really important point. Um, he's not, you know, he doesn't have the best goal ratio. He's got a terrific record since he came. I think I remember his debut when he. I think he just he took six shots in the game, I believe. Um, and he just wanted the ball, demanded the ball every single time and was happy to shoot from everywhere. Now, obviously, that's not going to work every single time. But what it does do for a side is it gives them forward momentum. And it shows to the other team that when we have the ball, we're a threat on goal. Yep. Man City should have, could have certainly done with that uh, threat um, and that difference today. Um, yeah. But yeah, this, and, and again, this isn't digging Man City out. It's just saying, well, today they, they could have done with perhaps I would take it being a bit more willing to take a risk. But um, but it's, it's not one what, right way to play. So if you do have a Bruno Fernandes in your team that is high risk, high reward, well, okay, moves might, moves might break down. But let's make sure then we have a good counter-pressing system in place. We have good 1v1 defenders that can cover transition and a good six that can cover space as well. So, you know, if that's what you're going with, well, let's just make sure that where you are perhaps a bit weaker with that setup, you do your best to negate those weaknesses, isn't it? Because um, there's weaknesses and strengths through every system and there's not one system that trumps all else. Um, so, no. But um, I think we both agree that the side as it is and the squad as it is, isn't enough to win a league right now. Uh, not with how impressive Liverpool and Man City are. I don't think my, this Man United team can win a league yet. but. I don't think it would be that surprising to see Liverpool and Man City perhaps have a bit of a drop-off. Um, they've had the same voice in charge for a while and we both know that, well, everyone knows obviously the same voice, especially when it's so demanding um, physically and mentally and tactically for so long. Players can get a bit exhaustive of that or a bit exhausted. Um, you know, we've seen it before and you would maybe question, are Liverpool and Man City going to reach their those points under um, Klopp and Guardiola? So if they do have those drop-offs, another team has to be there ready and waiting. And if they get the right additions, perhaps Man United could be that side? Yeah, I would not have no problem um, arguing that point. I know people say that Chelsea have done great business and they're well, they're well poised. Um, but if I look at the two, uh, there's an argument to say that Manchester United possibly have um, a slight edge in terms of being slightly more settled. So obviously Chelsea have brought in two big names already and they're looking at a third from what we hear anyway so they've brought in Ziyech and they've brought in Timo Werner now Ziyech's a fantastic player but he was playing at Ajax I know he was very successful in the Champions League but the success in a, in a foreign league and, and playing well in the Champions League with a team you know inside out doesn't always translate to immediate success in the Premier League we've seen that many times before I do think uh, Timo Werner's going to be a big success um to what extent we don't know where where he's going to fit in. So it's not as if it's not as if those two players are going to go in and instantly, or it's it, you know it's guaranteed to um, sort out the front line and all of a sudden Chelsea are going to be scoring goals for fun and we're just adding those goals on top. It's not as simple as that. So um, I, I don't see. I mean, I think we'd be splitting hairs a little bit. I, I can see areas of the pitch where Manchester United are stronger in Chelsea and. Um, seem to be more uh, further down the line in terms of their development as a side. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't see it as too far-fetched with a couple of key additions as to why Manchester United can't certainly close the gap significantly and, stranger things have happened, uh, potentially win the league. I certainly think of everybody outside of Liverpool and Manchester City. Um, for me, they're the ones um, who, are the, in, uh, who, who are best set, put it that way. I'd agree with that. And, you know, yes, Chelsea, if you use them as an example, have signed two fantastic players in Ziyech and Werner. But Man United were already set in that area. So, you know, Chelsea signed Ziyech, while Man United have Fernandes. Um, I know they're slightly different players, but you get my point. Yep. Chelsea signed Werner, while Man United already had Rashford. Um, I prefer Rashford to Werner, just saying. And they're both actually in similar areas of the pitch. Um so, you know, yes, Chelsea signed fantastic players, but Man United kind of already had those players in those positions. Um, but I think we both agree that they do need some signings and one signing that it looks like is going to happen for everything that we're hearing and obviously that isn't in media, etc. Um, it looks like Jaden Sancho is probably going to join Man United. 
And I don't think there's many people that would um, argue that that's a bad signing. <laughs> <laughs> no, certainly based on his on his form this season and, and, and even last season, but especially this season, um, his form his form's been absolutely outstanding. I think it's 17 goals and 16 assists, I believe. It might be the other way around. Either way, he's contributed a ton of goals, a ton of assists in a, in a really... Um, really attacking team he's I think he's this has been a really breakout season for him um he showed that he can produce consistently at a high level as well so um no I think if he, if they do make that signing that's going to be a big statement and I think what they're hoping for is that that makes a, a big difference is in this you know along the same lines that Bruno Fernandes did I, I do think that would be a massive statement they're making that signing it's not signed sealed and delivered yet um, you know, and I'm sure Dortmund might have a thing or two to say about it. But if the reports are right, then it looks like he'll be on his way, and I, I think it'll it'll solve a massive problem for them and give them a lot more strength in depth, which is one of the things they're missing. We're talking. You were just saying about them not being able to win the league with the team they've got right now, and I think that's true. Um, one of the major factors of that is they don't have the strength in depth. They don't have the quality backup um, that. The, the likes of Liverpool and Manchester City do. So adding Jadon Sancho to an already very powerful forward line means they will have um, really quality backup. I think what the signing of Sancho would do would be to provide a lot of balance to an already very fantastic forward line. So their current forward line is fantastic, but it is very dynamic. It's very much um, the move kind of has to end in a goal quite quickly. There's not really someone there that's going to retain the ball and keep the game flowing in that kind of sense. And Sancho is someone that will put his foot on the ball. He will help retain the ball in the final third. And it'll provide a different element um, to a Man United attack, won't he? He won't be the one that's the threat in behind off the ball. He'll be the one that can pick up the ball, um, combine with one-twos, can beat his man, uh, has a variety of finishes inside the box, which obviously you know, Man United players already have. But he will provide more balance to a forward line. The only question I would have is, would Man United maybe have enough balance in the rest of the team for that. So, you know, if in Sancho did sign for Man United, he would probably play off the right, which I think works in the forward line. If you say the forward line would be any any uh, a collection out of, let's say, Sancho, uh, Rashford on the left, Sancho on the right, sorry, maybe Martial up front. And then Greenwood maybe would have more minutes up front as well, which I think will end up anyway. And obviously Pop and Bruno um, supplying balls as well and threat. But I do maybe question how that right-hand side dynamic would work because Sancho isn't really an explosive winger. He likes to sort of come inside quite a lot and, and combine. And where Aaron Wan-Bissaka at the moment isn't really a um, a progressive ball carrier or a progressive passer or someone that really is very threatening on the outside. Um, I do wonder maybe would there be a lack of balance on that side of the pitch? But then again, you know, there's probably balance in enough areas else of the pitch and they are such fantastic footballers it would probably be okay. Um, but yeah, I would I think, be interested I, to see... Yeah, I think, I think it, uh, from what you're saying here, definitely I agree with the fact that he's not what we would describe as an explosive winger in the sense of he doesn't um, you know, often drive with the ball over large spaces. He, he, you know, he's like a yeah. slow, slow and go type of player. So he likes to slow he's it down. He's explosive in short bursts. Short bursts. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, not in longer spaces yet. No, and what, is, what he's really best at is starting out wide and then drifting inside. So he likes to drift yeah. inside with the ball. Um, he likes to slow defenders down. And then obviously one of his standout qualities is his um, composure, calmness, close control and decision-making yeah. um, in those tight spaces you know, right around the area. So I think he's going to be a fantastic addition if that happens. You know, starting with that front line of, of Martial through the middle, Rashford down the left and Sancho on the right. I mean, I think you're guaranteed goals for a start. And then, you know, Mason Greenwood having more of a backup role. Now, like the, what I was alluding to earlier, then that gives them uh, really, really great strength and depth. And don't forget, you know, Idi Nogalo as well, who's, who's, who's certainly made a good impact himself. But I think he's only contracted until maybe January, so they might have to solve that problem. Um, but already in that unit of four or five players, uh, they've got goals. And what Sancho will give them is that variety you spoke about. In terms of the balance, I don't think it's too much of an issue. I don't think every team is, is perfectly balanced for a start. Um, and I think Aaron Wan-Bissaka being perhaps less of a swashbuckling and overlapping um, fullback might actually give Sancho a lot of... Um, uh, safety to go and do what he does best which is to get on the ball and be creative so mm -hmm. maybe know... but then 
Yep. If you look at main, you know, the vast majority of main, I don't have the numbers on me, but I do know the vast majority of main United attacks at the moment um, go down towards the left. Um, maybe because there isn't a Sancho on the right there, but they do go down towards the left. And I do just think that, you know, Sancho is someone that he doesn't thrive in open spaces. He likes to receive the ball high up. Now, if you don't have really a fullback that can get near him, or you don't really have players that are going to get near enough to him, you know, Martial is a striker, number nine, but he prefers coming off the left. Bruno Fernandes can play over there. But I just wonder if Sancho will have enough support and there'll be enough threat down that right if that's the sancho wan dynamic. And I've suggested it before. One, it would be a bit bold and it is, does sound a bit football manager-y. But um, one thing I wouldn't mind seeing is I'm a huge fan of Ethan Laird, um, an academy product at the club. Hmm. And I think he would provide an excellent balance with Sancho on the right. And then what you could do is then you could maybe convert Aaron wan to a left-back because I think he'd be fine there because... You don't really lose anything or too much attacking-wise. Um, he doesn't excel at progressing the ball um, anyway. And he doesn't overlap anyway. So you're not going to lose too much of a threat in terms of what he provides if he goes to the left. And on the left-hand side, if he is left-back, all of a sudden, his left centre-back, Harry Maguire, really good at progressing the ball as a centre-back. Pogba likes to come to the left. He will come and pick the ball up and progress it from the left. And Rashford is also someone that can come deep and carry it up the pitch. And with his defending 1v1 style and his long legs, I think he'd be fine there. So I think that's a dynamic that could work. Wan-Bissaka on the left back, Rashford on the left wing, and Laird on the right and Sancho on the right. I think I know that's very football managery, but I think that would be a really balanced side and interesting and I think would fix issues that I'm perhaps a bit concerned with. I think it's interesting, to say the least. I think it's um, I, I, I think it's overthinking things, mate. I think Aaron Wan-Bissaka is a really young defender. He's a natural right-back. Why convert him to a left-back when you've got a fully competent Luke Shaw and a very, very good Brandon Williams who can both play that position comfortably well? Why would you convert a very, very good right-back in Aaron Wan-Bissaka into a left-back unnecessarily? I don't think it would be a massive problem. I think Sancho coming on the right and having a defensive-minded or more defensive right-back behind him would actually work out perfect. Um, he doesn't need an overlapping fullback around the outside. It's not like he's he's only played passes to um, Hakimi when he's been at uh, at Dortmund. He's very adept at coming inside and linking up with Haaland, linking up with Royce, and linking up with Guerrero on the opposite side. And he does need players around him, no? Yeah, of course. And he's got Pogba around him. He'll have Bruno Fernandes around him. He'll have Martial and Rashford. Rashford doesn't mm. stick rigidly to the left-hand side. He comes inside himself. Um, I think he's going to come inside. The, the only the only thing that he misses is then a dashing right back who goes around the outsides, which is what he's had in Hakimi. Now that would stand up if if um, if Sancho was predominantly linking with Hakimi at Dortmund, that would make sense. But this is not Dortmund. This is a different side. Um, I, I don't think the fact that Wambasaka is not particularly an overlapping fullback is a, is a weakness per se. I actually think if I'm looking at it as the manager, I'm thinking, okay, that's good because I'm going to give Sancho a bit more license and I'm going to need um, I'm going to need my right back there. So I have no problem if if one of the um, if one of the fullbacks overlaps a bit more than the other. So for example, if you look at Tottenham. Uh, a lot of the threat comes from Serge Aurier much more than it does from Ben Davis. It's not a problem. The problem is that Ben Davis <laughs> slows possession down too often and Serge Aurier's uh, delivery isn't quite what it could be. If the delivery was better and if Ben Davis moved the ball quicker, then it wouldn't be a problem to have one fullback who's fairly attacking and one who's not attacking at all. So I, I don't, don't have think... a problem with that concept at all, at all. But I just wonder, you do have to, I do wonder where that sort of like, you know, explosiveness in bigger space will come from on the right-hand side. If I have no issues with having a more defensive-minded fullback and then a more attacking-minded fullback on the other side, etc. But, but why do you need explosiveness in a bigger space? What he does is he picks it up in the same way as uh, Messi. When Messi plays on the right, he's not explosive in a bigger space. He does exactly the same thing, slow and go, slows defenders down, drifts inside, and then he either slips cute passes into Martial or Rashford or whoever it might be. That would be mm. the thinking. Or he can combine inside with Bruno and Pogba. Um, I don't think it necessarily needs explosive power to get to the byline. That's not how they play now. Um, mm. So I, I don't think it would be a problem. I think Wambasaka playing behind Sancho um, might actually then. Don't forget, Wambasaka is very, very young. So what's to say that he can't develop? He's only had. Well, you know what? I was just going to say. Me and you talk all the time, don't we? Who's to say why? You know why? Why can't coaches actually? You know, coach. Why well, can't he become an, an overlapping yeah. fullback? He's got the no, physical traits. Get, of course, yeah, why not? I mean, there's a lot of work to do. And obviously, the older you get, the harder you get, because obviously yep. there's only a certain amount of time in training. But as you said, you know, we've discussed this a lot, haven't we? We'd love to see a rule put in place where maybe teams can only sign a maximum of like two players a summer or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. But 
some rule where coaches are now forced to actually coach their players to be better footballers. And perhaps Wampasaka can become that player anyway. Um, but yeah, no, okay, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, so we both agree that Sancho would be a fantastic signing, um, obviously. Um, but I think we both agree that perhaps it might not be enough yet to win the league. Would you say that? Yeah, definitely. I don't think, look, that the, the strength they've dropped off in maybe the last couple of games, but the strength of Manchester City and Liverpool, I mean, the, the gap is quite big. It's quite significant. I mean, Liverpool have won 30 games this season out of 36. And I think they would have won more than that if they hadn't have already tied up the league. So the gap between them and Manchester United is fairly big. Um, so it's going to take more than Jadon Sancho to come in. And don't forget, we spoke about this previously. Jadon Sancho's done terrific. Um, he's done excellent, but Dortmund didn't win the league. So that's one thing. Secondly, the Bundesliga was not the Premier League. It's not an indicator that he's going to come in and hit the ground running and, and be the instant superstar that um, perhaps some people expect. I, I, I actually don't think that'll be the case. I think it will take him a few um, a few rounds of matches to find his feet. And it might be a little while. We've seen it with Pulisic. Pulisic was a, a star player at Dortmund. Um, we spoke about this last week, I think, where he, he came in. And he started off okay, then he dropped off. Now he's really found his feet again. But that, that took him quite a fair bit of time. I'm not sure it would take Sancho quite that long. Um, obviously, he's an English player, so he's he's well aware of the English style and, and the pace and intensity because he played academy football here for many years. But I don't think it's guaranteed that he would come in and instantly uh, set the league on fire. So, yeah, they're going to need more than just Sancho to close that gap 100%. I think, yeah, I, I think Sancho's performance levels will be um, quite similar yeah. to what they were at Dortmund. Um, he is that good. I don't think his goal and assist output will be the same numbers, um, mm. at least not straight away. But when I say that I think his performance levels will be similar um, to Dortmund, I also mean that in the sense that he also had quite a few stinks at Dortmund, which yeah, he's he did, allowed yeah. to do because he's a young, he's a young, he's a young lad. Yeah. And that's going to happen. And this, um, is the, this is one of the benefits of the Bundesliga, which again, we spoke yeah. about. Um, yeah. Like, I, I watched that league avidly and he's had games where he's been non-existent. Yeah. Or he's had games, he's been poor, which is allowed. That's fine. I yeah, think of he's, course. I yeah, think yeah. he's 20, is he 21, 20? Still a very, very young player. Um, In a foreign league. Yeah, so we expect that to happen. He had the bravery yeah. to go over there. Um, yep. But he has had those stinkers. It's not like it's been a constant stream of success. Um, you know, but you wouldn't know because you're allowed to develop over there, unlike uh, in exactly. the Premier League, where perhaps those level of performances. I mean, I can just see it now. If he has one or two stinkers next year, I can already read the Daily Mail headline in my head. Um, well, yeah, it's very different playing for Manchester United. We say this all the time. Yeah. That's a heavy shirt. So, yeah. um, and that again tells you just how fantastically well that Mason Greenwood's done. Is yeah. it doesn't it doesn't seem to weigh on him at all. Um, so yeah, there's no guarantee, but Sancho definitely gonna he's definitely gonna be a fantastic addition if he gets yes. done. I think he's can't say he's guaranteed, but he's as, as near as you get it to um, being a, a great addition to the attacking line. Will it be enough? Not for me. I think they need at least one more key area um, sign, and I know you've got a couple of uh, a couple of opinions about that as well, Harry. Well, I was adamant for a while that. They need a number nine. But yep. to be fair, the work that Solskjaer's done with Anthony Martial and other forwards like Greenwood spoke about it on last week's podcast. Um, it's been so, so good. He's done amazing work with Martial. If there was one one issue I had with Martial um, before is that he was quite a specific player. He likes playing at specific angles, specific moves. He wasn't really comfortable in other areas. Um, and that was, you know, typical Martial coming in from the left, bending it in, you know, with finesse and curl, etc. And being that kind of like, you know, quick feet kind of player. Um, mm. I wasn't sure he had much else to his game to be a number nine. But to be fair, Solskjaer's done superb work with Martial um, to make him more of a number nine that can play in more angles. He can now score, you know, I think he's more regularly going to score goals, you know, in the six-yard box, um, linking up with players. Um, combination play. Ugh, do I think it's still enough to for Martial to be a... Can I see a team winning the league with Martial as a number nine? It's very difficult to say. It would be very, very harsh to not give him that chance to be that player after what he's... You know, how he's come back after lockdown, etc. But um, I think if Man United want to win the league, I would still perhaps look for a more, a more typical number nine that you know is going to perform this throughout the season. And I... I think someone like Jimenez would be fantastic yeah. as a number nine. I really, really yeah. do. And 
you know, Wolves would have something to say about that. I know they're not exactly <laughs> desperate to sell and it wouldn't be an easy transfer. Um, but I think he would provide so much to what Man United could perhaps maybe lack as a number nine. But then again, the, the work we, again, we said it, you know, five minutes ago about coaches needing to coach and Solskjaer has coached Martial into so far being a fantastic number nine. And who's to say he can't go on and continue to be that fantastic number nine and continue with this run of reign of form. So uh, that's a very difficult one for me. And also what you don't want is you still want Greenwood to get minutes there because I think that we, yeah. you know, Greenwood will end up as a striker and he still does need that pathway. And I don't think that Greenwood should be the main number nine next season. But if you have Martial as the main number nine, Greenwood can still get minutes there. But as a pairing, is that enough right now for next season I'm talking about? Maybe in two years' time, but next season, is Martial and Greenwood as the number nines is that enough to win the league? Oh, it's such a hard. It's such a hard. It's one. Such a hard. I, think, I think if I was if I was looking at this, I would the way that I've done it. I've gone through the list, and if I look at the whole team, for example, like you 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 said earlier, if we're playing fantasy football, then I'm improving centre back. I'm improving left back. I'm improving uh, you know CDM. Um, I'm buying a midfielder, I'm buying Sancho, and I'm buying a centre-forward. But football doesn't work like that, and that's not what's going to happen this summer. So we have to look at what's likely, um, what would what works, and what could actually be pulled off. Because, you know, you could say, well, um, I think they should buy Sancho, and I also think they should break the bank and get Haaland, and it's, well, that's not going to happen. So, you know, we have to be, we have to be realistic as well. Um, so I, I've got him and his on my list, but... I just, I just think the emergence of uh, Greenwood, and if they do add Sancho, um, I, I don't think they'll then look to strengthen in the attacking line other than the addition of Sancho. Because if you go with, you know, then you've got Sancho, Rashford, Martial, Greenwood. Don't forget Igalo, and of course Bruno, yeah. Bruno and Pogba. You know, while we wouldn't strictly class them as part of the forward line they're certainly forward thinking uh midfield players and they're they're going to add a large chunk of your goals and assists from that area um so i don't th- i'd love them to sign Jimenez. don't get me wrong i think that's a great signing for them uh shame for wolves sorry wolves fans um yeah. but i think it we is yeah i just think he's a terrific player mate and i think yeah. he's at the right age that he, he, he should step into a um a really really big side um again apologies wolves because they've been brilliant for the last <laughs> two seasons um and they've still got a chance of silverware this year of course with the europa league but um uh, yeah that that would be a terrific signing i just think if I'm only able to make two, um, I would sign Sancho, and then I would actually sign in midfield um, more than anything else. I would add, I would add numbers to that. So I would, for me, it would be Grealish. It would be Sancho and Grealish. But if you could get three, it would be Sancho, Grealish, and Jimenez. But I'm saying they're only going to make two big signings, and I think it's going to be Sancho and uh, Jack Grealish from Aston Villa, who I know that you are a, a massive fan of, Harry. Big, big fan, but. I think that's just, I think that's too much attacking talent to try and fit into a team because, mm. yes, you do need strength in depth, but there's not many teams in the world. I mean, I guess Man United is one of them that can get away with consistently having superstars on the bench. And, you know, perhaps Man United could be, well, Man United are arguably the biggest side of the world, so maybe they could be. But, um, yeah, but if we're I arguing, just, if we're arguing the case of Jimenez, if Jimenez, you know, journey attacking line, that's, that's a lot of attacking talent. And then who yeah. do you sit? Who sits? Because Martial. I guess. Uh, yeah. What well, obviously mm. the, the, we're talking about them winning the league. That you know, can they win the league with the squad they've got? No. With the addition of Sancho only, no. So the the thing in common of Manchester City, especially and Liverpool and now Chelsea, is strength in depth. So if we look at Chelsea, they're going to have Callum Hudson Odoi. They're going to have um, Pulisic. They're going to have Ziyech. They're going to have Timo Werner. They're going to have Giroud, presumably, unless he moves on. They're going to have Tammy Abraham. Uh, I must have missed at least one out. They're not exactly short of attacking talent, which means every week, two good players are going to sit minimum on the bench. Mm. Um, and I think that's going to be the same here. So if we start with Sancho, Marshall and Rashford, it means that Gallo and Greenwood miss out. Gallo's a very, very good player. Uh, Greenwood is a superstar in the making. Um, who's going to score bundles? So how there's long is he happy to sit for? Yeah, but I think there's an argument that those two can 
I think those yeah, I, I agree because really because Greenwood's very sport. young in his career. But then if you and buy him in his, I look to be a Man United striker. He's a good player, but you know, Agüero is counting his lucky stars as a Man United striker. Let's be honest as well. Good player, but you know, he's he's certainly not someone that can demand to be a Man United number nine every week. A hundred percent. But but then if you add Jimenez to that, Jimenez has to start. You know, mm. why does he jump? He's not going to jump ship from Wolves to Manchester United and and sit for fifty percent of the games. You know, no. Rashford's Rashford's most definitely going to start. Sancho's most definitely going to start if they sign him, which means now you're splitting time between Martial and and um, and Jimenez. So I see it as much more likely that they would go for Grealish, because then you can rotate Pogba, Grealish, Bruno, um, and then essentially Fred, Matic, and McTominay. Now McTominay's a young player. Matic is on the other side of his career, so he's going to expect to get less and less minutes. Fred, I think, has done terrific, by the way. Um, and I think one every week out of Grealish, Pogba and Bruno will miss out. Um, That's a big uh, ask for me, I think. I don't think Grealish is at that level. I think Grealish is Grealish is a fantastic player, but I think he perfectly well understand that uh, if Pogba and um, Bruno Fernandes are ahead of him, then you know that, that such is life. And I think he would grab that opportunity to learn from those two great players. Um, and don't forget, this is a long season. What we're talking about is adding strength in depth. So, do Manchester United already score enough goals? I think so. Um, with the emergence of uh, Greenwood next season, again, kicking on probably, uh, or hopefully, let's say, um, the addition of Sancho, they're not going to score less goals. Um, we've already agreed that the back line is, is fairly decent. It's not, you know, it doesn't need an overhaul. Um, so if I was to add one more area of, of strength and stability, it would, it would definitely be in, in midfield. I think Grealish adds a great amount of balance because he's able to uh, carry the ball. Um, and I think he's competitive enough and sort of adaptable enough that he would be able to play a slightly different role, a slightly more withdrawn role than what he plays currently for Aston Villa. I would. OK, yes, yeah, fair enough. Um I would say that if Man United get have these three things, then they could win the league next year. I think if if they can say that Martial will maintain his levels, um, his mentality and intensity um, for the duration of the season as a number nine, I would say that if they can get Sancho, and I would say if they can get a number six. Now, mm. the reason why I say they number six, let's say you look at Scott McTominay. I think that Scott McTominay is one of the best midfielders in the league. I really do believe that. I think he's fantastic. A typical. Proper number eight, really good play. However, and also Fred has done very, very well this season. is a great, is a very good player. And Matic has had a fantastic career, still a good player, but he's going on a bit. Now, the reason why I say they need a six is I would love McTominay to be the six. But if you play a forward three and then play Pogba and Bruno Fernandes in your midfield, I think you need a six that is more of a sit-up and can just cover those two and allow the freedom to Pogba and Bruno. Um, Tomlin's fantastic, but he's not someone that's just going to sit. He's someone that's going to play ahead of the ball. He's going to make runs forward. He's going to press high. He's going to be a, a typical number eight. Um, so then that number six, you're left with Matic and Fred. Matic is getting on a bit. Still a fantastic player, but he is getting on a bit. And Fred is very, very good. But is he good enough to be a starter in a Premier League team? Ah. Oh. He, he probably could be, maybe. Maybe, because the rest of the side is so, so good. But I would say that Man United could really go for the league if they sign Sancho, if Martial um, can maintain his levels throughout the duration of a season as a number nine, and if they can sign one real world, world-class number six, I would say, you know what? There's every reason Man United can say they can win the league next year. Yeah, I, I take your point, and, and and again, I made my short list, and I went through centre backs and and uh, defensive midfielders, and then centre midfielders, and the, the problem I had at six was who is that player that they could actually go for, and you know could get. Obviously, we could talk about players of uh, fantasy football. If you add Golo Kante, okay, uh, does that take you to the to the required level? Um, but that's not that sign is not going to happen. So. Who who could we put in there? But I've I've got a few names on my list. I know they've been linked with Declan Rice. That's 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 more of a project. He's too young um, to go in and be the dominant six that, that that you're describing there. 
uh, that lays the platform or, or has that platform for Pogba and Bruno Fernandes and whoever to play off. Um, I'm a big fan of, as you know, of uh, Zakaria, um, Dennis yep. Zakaria. Uh, but again, unproven in the Premier League. Is that is that the is that the required level? We're not sure. Is that is that a drastic improvement on Fred? Even um, is it a marked improvement? Um, some people have spoken about Ndidi from Leicester. Again, I think that's a good signing. But is it a is it a marked improvement on um, on Fred? Um, it's tough to say. So I, I, I don't know who who would you suggest in that sixth role. It is so difficult. So, kind of similar to the striker role. It's like yeah. Fred is Fred is a really really good player and he's done really really well. You know why can't a midfielder Fred Pogba and Fernandez win the league? Why can't they win the league? And Maybe is, it can. And this is what we speak about all the time. This is where fans need to understand that um, you know it's so easy at this time of the season. Oh, we should sign so and so, and if we just signed this one, this one, and this one, we'd be really up there. But the, the problem that these big teams have, and I call them big teams, or, or let's say that the, the, the six, the six who you know they haven't always this season, but the, the six teams, yeah, the typical top six, yeah, right. So Liverpool, Manchester City, Chelsea, Manchester United, Tottenham, and Arsenal. So those six who should you know theoretically make up the top six of the Premier League if everyone's you know, playing to their potential. It's very easy to say, oh, they should sign this and they should sign that. But they have to, they have to, <laughs> they have budgets for a start. And they also have to think about, well, who sits out? Only 11 can play. And then they also have to think about um, uh, having having a balanced side and actually signing players that improve what they already have. Um, so Manchester United is sort of entering that territory of, okay, well, Fred's very, very good. Uh, so... You know, there's not many players you can sign in that position that that drastically improve you in that role. It's it's such a difficult um, difficult next step for them. I and think also, they... you don't need superstars across the pitch. You That's need true. you do need superstars in a league winning side, but you also need players that are disciplined and give you what you need, and you know can provide mental and physical intensity. And saying that the water carries it, I think is too harsh. But you know mm. what I mean. Um, and you don't need superstars everywhere, but you need the players that can allow the real, real, you know, world-class superstars to flourish. Not every player on your side has to be a world-class superstar, um, but you need a functional team and players you can rely on. And so far this season, I would say that Fred is someone you can rely on. Yeah, definitely. And McTominay, I agree with you. I'm a big fan of McTominay. I'm not sure he's one of the best midfielders in the league, but I think he will get there. Um, and I think, um, I think he'll be a consistent performer for them. And he, I actually, I think he belongs at that level. I think he's comfortable at that level. So I think they're quite well set. I think and we said at the top, uh, this is what Manchester United need to win the league next season. So you know, if 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 the stars align and they can get it done, then for me, Sancho, Grealish, and Jimenez uh, massively boosts them, gives them strength and depth, gives them variety in midfield, uh, gives them variety in, in in an attacking sense, gives them a different type of attack uh, in the sense of of Jimenez. Um, is that realistic? Is it likely to come off? No, I think they will get two. I actually think they'll get Grealish and I think they'll get Sancho. Um, I think that's going to make a big, big difference. Uh, my prediction is that they close the gap uh, significantly on Liverpool and Manchester City because I, I do believe those two teams will drop off a little bit. They've had two seasons, uh, Liverpool in particular, two seasons back-to-back of just ridiculous levels of consistency. Yeah. Um, to keep that going for a third season in Liverpool's case. Manchester City have dropped off already this season. I mean, they've lost nine league games and obviously they lost the, the FA Cup semi-final tonight as well. So it's, it's a bit of a disappointment. They've, they've hold all of their hopes in the Champions League now, which which they could well win, by the way. But um, yeah. they've already dropped off significantly, you would say, compared to the previous season. So for Liverpool to keep it going for a third year, I think would be... Um, really tough. So I think it's going to be a combination of Manchester United getting better and making really, really strong additions in key areas. And those two teams, Liverpool and Manchester City, just having a slight drop-off, which will be enough to close the gap, but probably not enough for Manchester United to um, to return to uh, Premier League title winning ways just yet. To wrap this up, what do you think Solskjaer maybe need? We've talking about potential signings. What do you think Solskjaer needs to do to give Man United a chance of winning the league next year? Carry on as he is, or do you think there are certain things we need to see that he can do? 
Well, that's a really interesting question. Yeah. So I think that's so hard to say without being part of the camp, without being inside. I think what we have seen already is um, his ability as a coach, like you've said. So I think, um, and and this is a big bugbear of mine, is that um, managers don't get enough credit when things go right. So at the moment, Manchester United, I think they're unbeaten in 18 or 19 games. It's terrific. They're the, they're the most informed team in the Premier League since lockdown. They've been by far and away the best team in the league. Um, I don't think that can be disputed in terms of um, going forward, in terms of goal scoring, in terms of points gained. Um, he's not getting the credit he deserves for that. And I think he deserves great credit for turning this season around. It wasn't like he walked into a team that was um, flying or, or doing fantastically well or, or you know, all, all of the places were in you know, all of the pieces were in place, for example. So I think he needs more credit. I think he's done a great role in terms of coaching the team, in terms of uh, integrating Bruno Fernandes. Perhaps what we need to see next is, is, that, um, is that ruthlessness to uh, add for me the, the bit that's missing is that that steely edge that steely edge that winner's mentality um it's one thing you know being in the position they're in now and you know it's not un, it's not without pressure but you know they're miles they, they, they're what are they 31 points behind liverpool it's incredible um so it's not close so they don't have that pressure week in week out which they used to be that's how they used to live they used to live in the fergie days at number one or number two and that's going to be the hard part adding what klopp has added and added what guardiola has added which is the serial winner mentality um that's, that's going to be the tough part and that's i'd agree with stage. that I'd agree with that. I think to add to that, one thing that they could also maybe need to show they can do consistently is that they have at times struggled this year um, against sides that sit back and don't offer them space. Hmm. And, you know, having this, we've said enough times, having the style of giving your players freedom, you can't, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But also, if perhaps the players aren't quite in tune that day, if they're not quite pulling at the same pieces, sometimes you do need that structure and that rehearsed patterns to sort of like not get them out of jail but to just sort of like conform to that to then yeah. break teams down so I do think perhaps they might also need a bit more structure in attacks to maybe go on and win the league um, I think that ties can... in I think that does tie in with mentality I think it's a yeah. case of like uh, you see with many teams look um, look at Tottenham Tottenham have got um, Arsenal as well a wide array of attacking talents and if teams are open and teams allow Arsenal and Tottenham to play, then they'll flourish and Arsenal and Tottenham will, will beat teams and look great. And the same at the moment can be said of Manchester United. They've got this fantastic attacking talent. So if you play a certain way against Manchester United, they can rip you to pieces very, very quickly and score lots of goals and look good doing so. I think the sign of teams that win the league is what we spoke about with Bayern Munich a few weeks back, um, is that ability to... Uh, win when three or four of your players are not quite at it or having off days or things just aren't quite working it's it's the ability to dig deep recognize early that that's happening dig deep and still get over the line and plan b c d or whatever it might be yeah we're not quite seeing that with Manchester united at the moment it's all coming off which is fantastic goals from everywhere Happy camp. Martial looks different class at the moment. Rashford's scoring goals. Bruno's just a fantastic player. And obviously Greenwood's pitching in. It looks like he's going to score every time he gets near the near the goal. Um, so at the moment, happy days. Very, very, very you know enjoyable place to play, no doubt, at the moment. Um, yeah. What happens when teams start to suss you out a little bit? Bruno Fernandes is maybe missing for a month through injury or suspension or whatever it might be. It's going to happen at some stage. Uh, loss of form for Martial. Loss of... Loss of whatever confidence, uh, injuries in key areas. How do you continue to win? How do you grind it out? I watched Liverpool this season uh, against Aston Villa. No way they should have won that game. Should have one hundred percent lost that game. Somehow managed to win in the last two minutes. Wolves, same scenario. Wolves played Liverpool off the park from start to finish. Liverpool were absolutely shattered during that game. Somehow still won one nil away from home. This is the sign of champions. Um, they they dug deep, they ground it out. Allison made key saves, massive saves. 
at important times of the game um, and they got over the line and that's that that'll be the missing piece um let alone the additions the missing piece will be in that mentality of um of how to win and winning's winning's a habit and winning is a as a mentality and it's a it's a trait that i think um uh it can be instilled but it takes an awful long time indeed indeed rich to finish this off will may not win the league next year <laughs> nope <laughs> nope i agree as well but, they, maybe but they they'll can. come they'll come a lot closer than they did this year yes mate. and maybe they can maybe they can if they just listen to us so if listening Ole Gunnar Solskjaer may not at board um we can offer you the advice um um I wouldn't say free of charge wouldn't say free of charge <laughs> but we can perhaps uh we're open. We're open. We're open. That's all I'll say. Well, just um, before we go as well, mate, I'd like to yeah. let's, just to follow on from last week. I was bigging up Leeds United and their chances of promotion. Yes. And they've got it done. They got it over They're the done. line. They managed to, Yes, they're going up as champions as well. So congratulations to Leeds United and the championship. Uh, massive club, big team. Uh, they've done amazing the last two seasons. Just fell short last year. Um, in the playoffs and obviously this year they've managed to get it over the line which is brilliant and we were talking about how much we were looking forward to Bielsa um, pitting his wits against the uh, the managers in the Premier League and we well God you know God willing nothing happens in the summer but um, <laughs> he's going to be with us next year so congratulations to Leeds United I really really can't wait to see them playing next year in the Premier League going to be brilliant going to be brilliant. every single manager is going to be hoping to avoid them the first game of the season every single one well, I, I actually think uh, game you want. I think all of the managers will really look forward to that game oh definitely yeah yeah I mean he's such an influence for so many managers worldwide isn't yeah. he uh, they talk about players look players want to play big games so players love to play semi-finals and finals you want to play you know Arsenal players want to play against Tottenham and Liverpool players want to play against Everton They want you want to play these fixtures that mean something and I think for the managers you want to pit yourself against the best and I think yeah. Bielsa is such an iconic figure and he's yeah. such an influential manager and coach and just like football guru yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. a lot of the managers are really going to lick their lips and say yes this is I'm going to I'm going to pit my wits against this guy let's see if we can uh, get one over on him or let's see if we can learn a couple of things 100% all that's left for me to do is say thanks to Richard cheers mate really enjoyed it yeah, me too. Thanks to you guys, the listeners. Hope you enjoyed it. Stay safe. Speak soon. Oh, yeah.